Hi everybody, my name is Treasure Ortiz and I am from the Third Ward. And today, with the help of Miss Leticia Garcia, from what ward? Ward 7. Ward 7. Um, we are going to start a podcast for the residents of the city of San Bernardino and just go over issues, um, go over agendas for upcoming meetings and get people more involved in understanding what's going on in our government. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the goals that I would have is to just introduce people to what the agenda looks like, um, how to understand the way it's written, because it's not always the most user-friendly thing to look at. And, and also just to make sure that people are more engaged from, by providing different ways for them to have access. Hopefully this will be one of them. Cool. Yeah. Well, I know when I was walking around and talking to a lot of the constituents in the third ward, they didn't know how this stuff works. They don't know where to find the agenda. They don't understand a lot of what the information means or how it impacts them. And uh, one of the things I liked is one of the council members did agenda reviews um, prior. And I thought, wow, that would be so great if we were doing these kind of things and helping people find find ways. So we have 10% votership in our city. Yeah. And that's determining that that very small group of people is, are making choices for elected officials that are impacting us greatly. And those elected officials are impacting us greatly with their decisions. And I think some of that... Um, going through the agenda and talking to people, there's some things that I want to show why voting and why understanding what's going on is so important. Because this stuff matters. Yeah, the stuff that we've been looking at and we've seen, um, it's just, it's... There's definitely a lot. It can be, you know, it's daunting because there's so much information and you don't always understand what it means or what it's for. And I, I've had extensive policy experience, and you have as well. And even for us, going through an agenda for the city of San Bernardino is still like, wow, okay, yeah. this is a lot. And it's daunting. And, and to look, you know, not if you're not an expert, like in public policy and contracts, and that's what this stuff is. That's why we have a city full of qualified staffers, because this is what they do for a living. And then it's given to a council of seven who are lay people. This isn't what they do for a living. Yeah. And they're expected to come in in four days reading this agenda is uh, 1,655 pages. And they're supposed to get it on a Friday, come in Wednesday, ready to go and vote on it. Yeah. And I know that some of the council meeting members do sit down and have a meeting with the city attorney whenever there's one available. Um, but that isn't always helpful, and here's why. I can say from serving on the board in the past that things on the agenda are explained to you the way they want to explain it to you. You get the information that they want you to have. If you really want the full scope of information, you have to do the research. You have to Google. You have to look back at prior minutes to see what other things have come before you in the past. So there's a lot involved in it. And I don't think that every single council member does the work around the, the agenda that they need to be doing. I don't think a lot of these members really understand what they're voting on. And I think we're going to see a couple of examples of that, even with this agenda. No, you're absolutely correct. And that's, um, 
that's a super good point and you know it's been said especially in our city that council members do not show up to the agenda reviews provided by the city manager's office they don't meet with um, and ask their questions and um, if if we can't get that from our electeds then I think and our community is so great at rallying and finding information and, and helping us explain it to each other yeah and I think this is just going to be a great another awesome outlet to do it and I'm excited to do it's a podcast. Not, it's definitely not going to hurt to have more information. Definitely knowledge is power and so whatever we can provide to whoever wants the information mm-hmm. I, I say let's do it and let's see what happens. Yeah and as this podcast grows you know we'll bring in audiences and um, you know hopefully it, it'll be where people want every item. I, like so you, just so you guys know this agenda is 36 item long Yeah, it's, and that's huge. That's a lot of information. It's almost 1,700 pages. And the meetings start at 7 p.m. now. So there's a public meeting. There are um, comments. So we're looking at another midnight, 1, 2 a.m. ending meeting. And well, that's assuming that there will be council members that will want to pull items from the consent calendar because one of the strategies used by cities and other governing agencies is to put everything in to the consent calendar and pass it all with one fell swoop mm-hmm. and that way you can you know put your items in there and nobody's going to ask questions everyone's just going to approve them right hopefully well and, and a consent calendar normally are non controversial items you know the payroll or right just basic stuff but in our city if we were go- we've been going through the the consent calendar there are some pretty big, big ticket pretty items controversial things yeah, yeah and it's like that that to that sneak attack is like oh let's just let's figure out how to get it under the radar that's what this is going to be the the most thing is to understand what the what's being swept without a vote and that is exactly the type of non-transparency that we and I know you have been talking about and really quite frankly a lot of people in the city that have been talking about the non-transparency component and that's part of it trying to slip things in so I want to just give a disclaimer because I almost just used a cuss word I probably will at some point use some kind of language that is colorful so if that's something that you're not okay with, then this is probably not the podcast for you. Believe me, San Bernardino gives you lots to cuss about. So, <laughs> Well, let's get into the, into the agenda then. Because right off the bat, the first thing that um, is on the agenda are the appointments to the commissions. And anybody that's following me on Facebook has seen that I posted about this. So uh, as you know, Juan Figueroa was voted in in the third ward as the new council member and his first two appointments because council's been off for a month on vacation uh, is to reappoint his girlfriend or partner baby his mother of his children um, back to the animal control commission now she's previously served under um, John Valdivia who's now the mayor and when Juan came in it was he had the opportunity to pick new commissioners and He's decided to reappoint her and appoint her to the Historical Preservation Commission. I reached out to City Hall today to find out 
uh, why, you know, um, how come other, did other people apply, why wasn't anybody else chosen, and I, I learned that it wasn't advertised, uh, it was never brought up at the commission meetings, it was never brought up publicly, and he just told her to reapply and he appointed her. And in fairness, I don't think anyone here is saying that she hasn't been or wouldn't be a good commissioner, although I would argue that she hasn't been a good commissioner because if the point of the animal um, uh, the animal control committee is to advocate for animals in the shelter and get things accomplished, that obviously has not happened. So I would argue that whoever, not just not just Miss Buckley, but whoever is on that committee is probably not doing a good job bringing forth and demanding that these that these fixes and changes be addressed. Um, that said, this isn't a personal attack on any one person. It's just another example of how there's no transparency and there's no access to information for the residents who do want to get involved. Because there and, are a lot of people who want to be yeah. involved. And ethics. Uh, you know, this and one isn't, this is an isolated incident because the third appointment is going to Elizabeth Sanchez, who is a sister of Teddy, of First Ward Rep Teddy Sanchez. And it does start to feel like everyone either lives together or works together or plays together. And, you know, what about everyone else? Right. These, you know, the, the point of a commission is to gain information and make unbiased recommendations to counsel and what any of us understand and know is that you don't have power and authority over loved ones spouses uh close personal relationships because that's marred in influence and it's just in general bad public policy and public perception and the fact that this is happening and and I, I will give you 100 percent the the arguments I've had this has happened in the past this was under Morris they did it with Davis well if if people were as equally upset then why are they not upset now and at what point in our city are we going to ask for accountability ethics and for people to rise up rather than us to continue to lower our standards. I, you know, I just want to say, I saw that someone challenged you on that. I don't know who it was, and I won't give them, you know, a mention anyway. But I saw that someone challenged you on that. And yes, Mayor Morris did appoint his son, and I absolutely spoke really loud about my disagreement with that. Um, there are people who have been speaking out. Uh, the fact that you are, you know, sort of, just coming into the the political scene that what's wrong with that like we're all allowed to come in when we want to not everyone wants to be involved with this bullshit and this is why like oh well when so-and-so was there you didn't say anything oh trust there was a lot of people that had issues with jim morris still to this day and i'm one of them so i can just say that like for for you to be you know called out for not having said anything in the past look the reality is when you are in the public eye and you're a public servant and you're there to to promote the interests of the city it's just never a good idea it never looks good to bring in your family members it just it's nepotism it's favoritism it's cronyism and all of that breeds contempt and all of that breeds corruption mm -hmm. period if there's just no way around it like somehow some way 
it's going to end up happening. There will be a conflict. So for those people that say that, you know, no one ever, you know, complained about these other people in the past. Let me tell you, I've been complaining since I, I complained during the, the Davis administration. I complained during the Morris administration. And I wasn't here before that. But... And you know what? Complaints have been made internally. But I still have the right to say what the fuck I want to say at this point moving forward. <laughs> right. As, as we all do. And the thing is, is what's a, what, what is disheartening is if these were complaints and this was something that affected the city years ago, it, it should be, we need to correct the course. And when I met with a lot of constituents, people are looking for opportunities to get involved in our city. They just don't know how. Nobody's reaching out. The outreach and the tr and, and communication is none. And I wish... It could easily be a full-time job to yeah. be a watchdog for the city of San Bernardino. Oh, man. It's every five minutes. I mean, I've got something new. But I wish Juan would have taken the opportunity to reach out and re-just... Re vitalize the third ward as far as participation don't go back to the same people be better uh think about your choices and then same for teddy why are you his you know his sister when not his not under him that was a, a fine appointment jody when not under her husband a fine appointment um at some point let's give other residents an opportunity to step up and step forward because we I hear people every day. Oh, if I had the chance, well, let's give them a chance. Let's do right. that. So that that's the one thing about the appointments that was uh, big on the agenda coming up. Um, so we can go on to the next one. Um, public comments has been big. So it's an issue, and I, I did notice that there was some somewhere some post about the discussion about whether or not phones and. Um, taping will be allowed but the agenda clearly states that your phone should be either muted or turned off now that said that means that technically you can bring in a camera and videotape and it is a public meeting here's the thing that people need to understand about meetings of city government those meetings are made for you the public they're your meetings so that you can have access to the things that people that are running in the city and those that are elected to serve you are doing with your tax dollars and what services you are being provided and what you, this is all about the public. This is not their meeting. This is not John Valdivia's meeting. This is not city manager Terry Ledoux's meeting. This is a meeting for the public. And that means that as a member of the public, you should have access so they should be providing access and then where they don't it's okay to go in there and take pictures because they're public figures they belong to you they work for you ultimately we are the ones who put them in office and we are the ones who can take them out of office when and if need be so it's important for people to know if you want to go to a meeting and if you want to videotape your council member talking on an issue or yourself talking on an issue at the podium and then posting it on your social media, then it's completely acceptable. These are not closed meetings. There are laws that specifically state um, that these meetings are open to the public. And if they violate those laws, they can be fined and sanctioned and uh, lots of other things that can happen. So it's important to know that's what these public meetings are. 
And this is also on the agenda. This is item 26 and 27 from the Legislative um, Review Committee. And they are changing the municipal code for, you know, they're calling it prohibiting disruptive conduct at the meetings. And for those of you that have been there or haven't been there uh, recently, there's been a lot of a lot of personal items that people are just very uh, emotional about. And the overall tone towards the public is more, I have felt, a hostile and demonizing tone towards the, the, the general public. That we are disrupting the meeting because we are calling out corruption, because we're calling out um, favoritism, we're calling out bribery, and they do, it's, it's not that it's disrupted, they don't want to hear it, and they no. don't like it. And so they're finding policies, there's going to be a censure policy uh, for, that, where they, ha they literally had to go to send to two cities in Northern California to try and follow these, find these policies because they don't exist <clears throat> for shutting down free speech in meetings. You know, councils are, su are supposed to speak. They're supposed to be dialogue. On behalf of the people. On behalf of the people, on the, on the items, and in some instances, it gets heated. So there was a situation where one of the council members, and I'll just go ahead and say her name, it was Basine Richard, and she had the audacity as a public servant as a elected member that is speaking on behalf of the people not on behalf of Basine mm -hmm. speaking on the behalf of the people saying in essence we the people want you the people to shut the fuck up and stop calling us out on our bullshit yeah no that's actually not how democracy works Miss Basine you don't she's literally told the public this is your fault yeah. you guys are being too loud you guys need to stop distracting us no you guys need to listen to the people it's she has it completely reversed it's it's wrong that to me things like that and things like jim mulvihill saying from the dais that he doesn't care about people's privacy and other stupid comments like that these people need to like humble themselves and understand you are not there serving as basine and jim right. and fred and John and Juan and whatever. You're there serving on behalf of the people. And as far as I can see, currently the only person that is attempting to even do that is Sandra Ibarra. Yes, absolutely. And you know, the rest of them are just there for themselves and their agenda and they don't give any kind of anything about their constituents. And Henry, quite frankly, who does have the agenda review meetings, lies to his constituents at their meetings and I've been there and I've seen and heard it so I don't know how much you know people understand about exactly what the role of an elected official is but the role of the elected official is definitely not to chastise the public there was a time when I worked there and when I first moved here where this phrase of I spoke to my constituency and I'm going to vote for them and not in your and, and, and not for what you're trying to do and that's what the council used to resonate in our city, that they were voting on behalf of their their ward and their people. I don't hear that anymore. I mean, they, a good representative does that. That's right. A good representative says, I've reached out to my people, and here's why my vote Even is Even if it's the something it that you don't agree with. That's right. If it's an issue that, look, me personally, I don't, I don't care for, let's just use, for example, cannabis. Um, if it's something that you don't personally agree with, you don't personally use it, you don't have any need for it, but you have a constituency base that does, 
and they voted and said that they want it, you have to go with that. That that is that is how you represent people. That's it. Right? Whether or not you, you agree with it or not is irrelevant. You're not there to represent yourself and your own ideas. You're there to represent what's good for the for the group of constituents that you have. And and this ward system. Right. You know, and talking about constituents. Who are your constituents? Look, there's seven members of the council. The constituents for all seven of these members of the council are not who lives in their ward. It's every single resident in San Bernardino because everything that they do on behalf of their ward or on behalf of the council at large still affects the plurality of the people in the city. Sure. So this whole nonsense about, well, ward one and ward two and three, no, that's bullshit. Like, that's how you're elected. That has nothing to do with how you govern. That's right. So, and it's so funny because the ward system in our city is such a progressive thing that it, it was, was. T- to start with. And I don't think they meant it that way. It was an unintended consequence sure. for sure. But still, it's what the law stands for now. The right. California Voting Rights Act of 2002 says that we need to have districts. Right. And we have them. It's just that I, I, don't, I don't understand. The divisiveness. Is it is. And really now that the councils are being bought and sold and, and the members are being, it's, it's become such a political game. There, our city continues to fail, and then we continue continue to put failures in our city, and yeah. we have to change that. It has to be, um, there has to be more. But giving up or watching our council take away our First Amendment right to free speech not because okay. they don't like you know not, unpopular speech is not a reason to to censure, to shut it down, because you don't like what we're saying. Change what you're doing, and we'll change what we're saying. What is that saying that um, I may not like what you're saying, but I will defend your right to say it? That's right. And, you know, that's basically what we ask people in our armed forces to do, is to go and protect our democracy and our rights and our Constitution. And the Constitution says that free, spe- free speech rules for, for the United States. And these people all take an oath. Mm-hmm. to defend the Constitution. And I'm sorry, but sitting up there and saying, you people all need to like stop talking is definitely not upholding your end of the Constitution, right? So I feel like part of the, the part of that um, legislative review thing that talks about censorship, um, I feel like it would be used arbitrarily and, you know, very like... For, like just if you disagree with a, a, a colleague on the council, oh yeah, that's not what censure is for. Yeah, you know, censure is reserved for very um, specific and very um, breaking the law, breaking policy. Yeah. Kind of like the mayor being caught in a legal pot shop with a bunch of his donors, and a guy gets shot, and now he's under investigation by the DA. Censure. Something like that. Something yeah. like that could do that. You know. So there you go. That's I, a good example. Like when Chaz Kelly had the feds come in and they arrested him out of. I mean, City if Hall, you're under censure. federal investigation, that's definitely a censure. It is. A that, that's to censure. the whole point. That's why it's so hard to create censure policies for bad speech. It's it's such a. A, a limited thing and normally at this point in the game so many laws have been created that when you break them no you are normally forced to resign because you've broken the law mm-hmm. you walk away it's only when something is that that policy it looks bad we can censure you and i Racine said in the legislative review committee that fifty dollars isn't enough for her not to say something that she would you know want to say again she's just so 
freaking irresponsible with her stupid comments. Up. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but this, but this is just so the thing is that you shouldn't have to care about whether you get fined something. You should just do the right thing because you need to do the right thing. Yeah. And you know, Fred getting loud and obnoxious at a meeting, like even though it's irritating and the mayor hates it and he has to gavel him and all that, that is not a reason to censure someone. No. He's just disagreeing with him and he's just, you know. And, and, and seeing the meeting. And I don't even it. like Fred. There, I said it. <laughs> um, you know, but, but again, I'll defend his right to say, you know, does he speak out of turn and could he wait? Yeah, he could. But, but he same, gets shut down and that's, I was that's gonna why say, I like At the Fred. same time, he doesn't always get recognized by not. the chair. But that brings me to another point about these council members. I don't think any of them are trained enough in, um, and I know they, they use some like hybrid version of uh, Robert's rules, but parliamentary procedure. A lot of the side conversations and um, you know side yelling could be avoided if they knew how to use the parliamentary procedures on the dais mm -hmm. to get their points across that clearly they do not I don't know like for some of these people that have been there for 13 15 16 years I don't know what precludes them from learning but that's also unacceptable if you're gonna be on a council please know how to do your job right please know and understand how what the rules are for being on the dais so that you can have your say so that you can bring items forward there is no reason that a council member ask for an item to be on the agenda and gets rejected right. like none at all like you you need to know how to leverage what you can and that's definitely the parliamentary procedure Absolutely. Um, so uh, hopefully um, that censorship issue I mean yeah and the rules of the court it's like they need you know the rules of decorum for the public and then they want a rules of decorum for the council. It, they want to they want more rules to govern us than they do they themselves. They not get to tell the public how to act at a public meeting. I mean they just unless you're like completely belligerent and threatening to like, you know, kill a member of the council, there's really nothing you can do except get gaveled and maybe pulled aside by a police officer and told be quiet. Hey, you know, you might have to leave the meeting if you don't. And it would chill. help if the mayor didn't talk dirt to talk to people but during I, their When comments. I say talk to the police officer, <laughs> I don't mean drag people out by their arms and threaten them. That's not talking. That's different. And you know, we have a really good public. We really do. I mean, I've never seen anything so outlandish. And and the funny thing is, is that this I I watched a guy get up and call Fred a racist, and nobody had a problem with that. And but you know somebody speaks up and says the mayor should be recalled and now all of a sudden there's change to the municipal code. Give me a break. Yeah, like it's it's, it's definitely an issue. Um, so what's we'll next see what on happens this? with that one. Yes, very important. That was item. That was I, I skipped. Well, that was um, public comments and then I skipped to twenty. It's on twenty six and twenty seven. Because so I mean obviously we can't speak to every single item, but some of these are just so outlandish, and and cause you to question what's happening. Um, so one of the things that we were looking at before we came on podcast is the item on the agenda for, um, and I'm going to skip over 14, which is one that I want to talk about. So we can talk about item 31. Okay. Um, so it just, we have so, <laughs> we have, we have a budget people, 
we have a budget and there's only so much money that cities bring in let me explain really quickly in case you don't know how revenue is brought into cities basically the revenue that the city received is based off the property taxes that you pay and then any taxes that the city has conveyed upon us such as parcel taxes bond measures um, such as measure z the utility tax which we have the highest utility taxes in pretty much all of southern california um and then we have um sales tax vehicle tax sales tax so so taxes and, and property taxes that's how we so we have a very limited way of receiving re revenue right and so that revenue translates into a budget for the city to work off of and and pay its bills and, and do what it needs to do to provide service and whatnot to the city, right? Um, when the city has very limited resources and funding and they choose to waste a whole lot of it on things that we don't need or things that we could be definitely more efficient in, it's really problematic because we just got out of bankruptcy and we got into bankruptcy because we didn't pay attention to some of the waste and, and fraud that was happening. And so we're now going to pay attention. And um, so one of the things that we noticed is that the excessive amount of funding for attorneys and litigators and mm. law firms. We have... Oh my! We're gonna have after this council meeting four active law firms working on behalf of the city. So if you would just do the math on the retainer fee for BB and K, mm -hmm. whose sole job is to be the council for the council, um, which means they sit at the meetings and if any questions about any items on the agenda, the legality of them, future litigation, etc. They handle that. They had a retainer of $500,000. I'm told, and I don't believe it, so I'm going to have to do a public records request to get the contract, but I'm told that um, that for that 500000 sitting at the meeting is included. But I don't believe that's true. I believe that the way it normally works with cities and other governance agencies, that they do charge per hour. So these meetings that go into like 2 and 3 and 4 in the morning, not just here, but in other cities, they can be quite pricey because it's like three hundred dollars per hour. Right. Well, plus they offer, they advise the city manager, and then other departments they go in for legal. So they're yeah. city. Yeah, but it yeah. all has to do with the agenda and, yeah. and everything yeah. around the, mm -hmm. the council. Um, that's that's strictly what they can they, what they do. And then the city has contracts with Cole Huber, another law firm that basically consists of. A whole bunch of city employees oh, excuse me former city employees and up to and including uh, people who worked on the bankruptcy up to and including the bankruptcy judge judge jury right so they're on they're on retainer for issues having to do with litigation I guess mm -hmm. litigation around the bankruptcy yeah. but now there's another group that's coming into the so this is super, this just gets me um if you guys remember june 5th our our meeting uh the mayor and his chief of staff got up and made a presentation on 
um, why we needed to terminate our bankruptcy attorneys. No backup. They just said it's costing the city too much. Who wants to vote? Teddy made a quick motion. Well, we're talking, of course, of Bilal Ali Asayli, who's now the former chief of staff who gave the recommendation. Right. They, he did. He gave the recommendation. The mayor, you know, sat there and said, yep, this is what we need to do, and we need to get rid of them. And they terminated the contract. Well, lo and behold, um, after that, they went to BB&K and said, well, we want you guys to take over the services for litigation and the bankruptcy. And the assistant city attorney came back and said, actually, after doing the homework and realizing what's taking place, we have to hire that firm back. And that's what they're doing. At $650,000 cap, they are bringing back the same law firm they terminated a month ago because they're the only ones that we can hire right now to get us through the litigation. And in... That at this point, we've paid this firm $20 million since 2012. Millions and millions and millions and millions of and, dollars. And now another 650000 Not not to exceed that, unless there are exceptions that, um, you know, some other litigation pops up. And this is what bugs me, is that this decision that was made June 5th, to terminate a contract of a vital service that now we have to go back as a city, tail between our legs, because we have poor leadership who doesn't understand it's what they're doing. It's pure incompetence. It is. What, you know, if, if their fees were an issue, there should have, we sh- this conversation should have been had and said, look, this is all we're going to do. Why was, why, where are we going into our next fiscal year? We're looking at terminating you. It is so unprofessional. We just needed one council person to say, wait a minute, <laughs> but what about this? You know, I mean, just ask the question and just challenge it and say, I don't think this is a good idea. Just because Bilal Ali Saley got up to the podium and said, we don't need these guys. Right. And John agreed, and I don't think at that time we had a city manager because I think they had already put her on leave. They didn't even talk to her about it. No discussion. Even if they did, she was like, you know, John and 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 the and his, uh, you know, so so then this just goes, and um, you know, then we 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 fired them, and now we're going to hire them again and retain them again. Six hundred and fifty thousand, five hundred thousand for BBK. Another five hundred thousand for Cole Huber. So we're looking just right there, like at least I mean close to two million dollars just for these three firms. Well now don't forget that the city had to hire an outside attorney for the litigation with the city attorney and the city clerk for their salary. Right. And it reduction. seems like the going rate for the retainer fee for these folks is five hundred thousand. Well, it costs a lot of or money. More. I mean, these guys are making Shoot, I mean, I wish I could charge this what three hundred and seventy dollars an hour. Three seventy an hour, and then three. That's actually pretty low. Shoot, I'm then I'm gonna start lowballing it two hundred. But still, three hundred and seventy dollars an hour to fight litigation, where you're nine times out of ten likely to lose. Mm-hmm. How does that make sense? Where's the savings? Well, in any of this. this, What's funny is they say, well, there's this a... This is all for saving money, right? Yeah, there's a potential $100,000 savings. Right. If... if but it's only going to cost us $500,000. That's right. And and that's if there's no extenuating circumstances that would allow for additional litigation. That's the that's the lie. This whole The whole litigation we're in now with the city attorney and city clerk was supposed to be for a 
cost savings. Let me explain why litigation <laughs> is so expensive. It's not just that you pay the attorneys. You have to pay court reporters. Yep. You have to pay witnesses. You have to pay ex expert witnesses. All of this stuff all adds up. Let me tell you, it is not cheap. I know from firsthand experience, it is not cheap to litigate a case. There's all kinds of stuff involved and it's more than just showing up to court. The paperwork, the 300 and some dollars, the, they charge, attorneys charge you per 15 minutes. Each conversation that's 15 minutes, you get charged. So it all adds up and that's why when you see that the city has hundreds of litigation cases open, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars that's ongoing, it never ends. And if and when there's an opportunity to avoid litigation, it should be avoided. Yeah. And this is stupid. This whole, you know, we're going to save 100000 by, you know, and really it's also retaliation because at the end of the day, we know that the mayor actually ended up telling Gigi Hanna, you know, what's it going to take to get rid of you? And, I, you know, how in the world that can even, like, why is he not even in jail for that? I don't even know. Well, but you know what? That was something during my campaign. That was one of the first conversations I ever had with him was what will it take for you not to run against the guy I've picked? I mean... He's not, he's not above it. I mean, what what's happening, and we'll see on the agenda, this is also like, the cannabis you know, thing. Chicago gangster type of running a city. Is, I'm not down with it. It's like, it's no. so ridiculous. But... At any rate, the litigation, that's that's problematic. We, we need to not have less of it, not more of it. Yeah. And the more people that we pay and have on retainer, it's just, it's your money, folks. It's your well, money. What, you know, you said something when we were going over this. What could that money possibly have been used for? So, I mean, if you look at how much money was spent, we could have easily fixed our city hall, which mm -hmm. is not broken, even though we had a big, fat earthquake. Mm -hmm. We could have addressed the animal shelter needs as they were happening, mm -hmm. which, by the way, continues to be ignored by everyone on the council except for one person. Yep. Um, and, and committees. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that we could do with that money instead of having, you know, litigation that is completely unnecessary. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's one of the agenda poor items. poor spending, just poor continued management. And, and, and let's not forget that although we were able to cover ourselves potentially at this $11.5 million deficit, we have a projected $10 million deficit coming next year and no new revenue. I'm that we're going to talk, talk about the public meeting that's coming up, um, also, but that'll be later on. But I mean, we need, like, like Letty said, the money that a city brings in, the taxes, the only way we make unless Jesus rains down millions of dollars into our budget and someone missed a comma somewhere, we're not doing any better. No, and, and, and when there is an opportunity for funding or resources, the city somehow squanders it. Um, Yep. We had a perfectly good opportunity. Whether you like it or not, doesn't matter. The reality is that the cannabis industry could have really been managed in a much better way oh. where the city could have been helped and there could have been some revenue projected, I mean, some revenue produced 
by the cannabis industry and growing that here. Yes. However, of course, if there's something that can be done to help San Bernardino, it's going to get fucked up because these people are so incompetent. Like they don't understand how to leverage money on the table. Yep. Like money's on the table, move it onto your plate. Don't shove it off. That's right. We could have put so, a higher tax on it. I know, you know, there's a people say, "Well, if you if you push too hard and not, we I I was for a 33% sales tax on cannabis." Because it's a multi-million dollar, and people are like, well, if you yeah. do that, people won't come. Well, we need the money. Yeah, they will come because there are no other cities. No other cities are doing it. That's right. Supply and demand. That's right. None of these people have any any like access to economics 101 or I don't know what the hell. But listen, people who say, well, cannabis is so bad for our city, you know, we're going to be known as the pop. Like, dude, what are we really already known as? The di- murder right. capital. If you're going to come to San Bernardino to buy pot anyway, why shouldn't we have a cut? Right. Right? So that that is potentially the only revenue stream that we can maybe leverage. But and it's been so and, the, and the window for that is actually closing oh, yeah. as we speak. Because they've screwed it up. Because, you know, one of the things, and, and I appreciate the people in the cannabis industry. I met many of them at the meetings. Very nice. Um, but the fact that the mayor took a bunch of money from them and the, allegedly, oh, allegedly, allegedly, yeah, and uh, that the application process was so screwed up, and that's not an and, allegation. And pe- that is a fact. That's a fact. And people were promised licenses by you know consultants in the city and paid thousands of dollars and got nothing. That's a problem. Yeah. And I know at some point there will be legal ramifications for all this but Mm -hmm. there should at at some point someone should have said okay guys we're going to bring in an industry that is trying to become legitimate right Uh, and has been successful in other cities and and states in other states exactly let's make it that nobody touches this money let's study the models All right. Yeah. How we can do it here? How we can reproduce an effective model but we don't do that instead it's all this other crazy stuff yeah let's not you know, you know, which brings me to Measure Z. Mm-hmm. So Measure Z is going to end, as you said, and that's projected Eight million to really hurt the city. And let mm-hmm. me tell you something. I have no intention on supporting another Measure Z, especially when the mayor and the police chief seem to find other things for the police to do other than actually police. I'm sorry. I don't want my cops picking picking up trash. No. Nope. That's not what I, I want them to be cops. Yeah. If I want someone to pay, like, dude, if you want to spend money on someone picking up trash, hire some of these homeless people that will do it for 10 bucks an hour. That's right. Come on. I mean, think outside the box. Like, don't, I don't want my $175,000 a year police officer picking up trash. Not that I don't think it's great that they did it. Mm-hmm. And actually, no, I'm going to take it back. I'm not, I, I don't think it's great. I think they it's could, a waste of a officer's of time. Yeah, but when you, when there's other people who could do it. That's right. When you cut code enforcement, when you cut the quality of life team, and and you you've eliminated 17 police officers in this city, picking up trash does not impress me. That's a photo op. Because it, like I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. And I was like looking at it on Facebook and the posting, and at the same time, I received a comment from next door saying, "I just got robbed." The 
it's a look. My house was broken into, and I sat on the phone. For you just got robbed because the cops are busy picking up trash yeah. right now for John Valdivia to look good. That's right. It's it's asinine. It's it's fake. And shame on the police department for going along with That's it. That's right. And you know what? My biggest issue that I have with the PD, and I I very much the PD was has always been the heart of mine because they were always second to fire. They were treated like the stepchild's public safety group. And but they made sacrifices during the bankruptcy, and they they made concessions to stay on. Otherwise, they, and the only reason that the most of them weren't put to the county is because the county wouldn't take take us uh, take our our sheriffs our police become sheriffs because it just wasn't cost effective. Yeah. But if you look at what John Valdivia is doing, and padding that department to be eighty five percent of the budget next year. It will not be cost effective for us to keep our police department anymore, and the, he he will outsource them, and and that's what upsets me. Well, that brings me to item fourteen. Let's talk about outsourcing and whether or not that's maybe a viable option. Sure, because Z and K, who I don't know who they are, I've done some research, not because I think they're shady or anything like that. I just want to know, who are we giving $250,000 to to create an outsourcing plan? And who will be outsourced? We know that the mayor has told people, employees, to yep. their face, how, you know, do you, do you believe, what did he say? Do you think you're expendable or how yeah. expendable are you? Yeah. Why, should I, why should I not outsource your Yeah, positions? why should I not outsource you? Um, <laughs> So we know that there is talk of outsourcing everything, and we know that there are people on the council who think that that's a great idea. Um, then they so go to the we're spending sector. two. If item fourteen is a resolution to spend two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on Z and K consulting, this is, so these are for two project managers to cover CIP projects for the city, right? And so the thing is that I did some research and I found out that um, they're not a very big company. They're pretty small. And we do want to give our condolences because it appears that the president of the firm passed away. actually just passed away in May. Yeah. Um, so now it's just Z. Uh, yeah. Well, it's still Z and K, but I mean, the, the husband. It looks like it's a husband and wife and a family. It's mm-hmm. a very small business. But we're giving them $250,000. And then in June, I'm sorry, in uh, December of last year... We gave them another hundred thousand, and then they've done other projects in the past. But so we keep going back to them for these, you know, projects. And I'm just wondering, is there no one else that can do the work for cheaper? This is three hundred and fifty thousand dollars just in six months to a firm that consists of pretty much a couple of people who live in Corona. Yeah, I mean, the, from the from the bids, there were I think four or five other firms, and it was also weird is that they claim to be out of San Bernardino. So it looks like they have a little like pop up oh, shop okay. uh, in in San Bernardino, but their state licensing, their business, all of that is in Corona. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, well, looking over the, the well, agenda who are item, they? and why I, why do they get all their money? Uh, I don't know. Well, from the agenda item, this is what this is disheartening to me is they have a Z, whoever Z is, is a civil engineer who does a lot of city, um, other city stuff. He, his rate's one hundred and twenty dollars an hour. Uh, what city employee is making one hundred and twenty dollars an hour? That's what we're so. Don't tell me this is cost effective. For full disclosure, I am putting in a public records request to ask for whatever 
prior work that this firm has done and their reports that they have provided because apparently all they do is inspection work and they provide a report. So for $100,000, you're getting someone to come out and look at something and send you a report. That's insane. Or in the case of this new agenda item, they're going to look at your, uh, I assume they're going to look at the internal HR structure and figure out who and what can be outsourced. At some and point. how cost effective would that be? Maybe. I'm guessing. Right? So I do have to do some more research on that. But these are the kinds of questions when you look at an agenda, you should ask, like, who are these people? Why do they get all our business? Right. You know, it shouldn't be the same firms over and over and over unless they truly are providing a, a good quality service and at the best rate. But I don't think that that's the case here. But more to come on that. I'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, I, I think. Out. Well, I think this is an extremely important topic in itself because we look at effectiveness in a in a department that was just asked for a seven percent cut of their budget there was now two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to give to an outside firm outside of san bernardino outside of our investment and why why wouldn't you when when i used to do um work with projects and grants and and you when you're applying for money outside of of the scope that's where you get additional funds you write in the cost of labor and that includes your personnel not just the contractor so i don't understand why the city is not looking for opportunities where this two hundred fifty thousand dollars in the cip could have covered employees costs that could have been a covered salary for somebody for four or five years because they're not making two hundred fifty thousand dollars this is another example of the gross incompetence right. and not like really leveraging you know efficiency like cost effectiveness like looking at things that can you know go you go further with your money with like a person who is going to be doing that job for a long term even if it's even if it's a a contracted short term three right. years whatever it is but yep. um it doesn't seem to be the way not just this administration but other administrations in san Bernardino, you know and i feel like it's a curse that the city has like they're just incapable of being well, they don't, they don't maximize the potential of their employees. They beat their employees down, they treat them like crap, and they expect the world from them, and then they bring people in. A per perfect example um, was management partners that came in and was trained by city employees. They were overlooked, passed up for jobs, and, and, and then walked away with or still there, but walking away with tons of the city's funds and our employees with nowhere to go. And that happened... We basically got nothing from them. Nothing. And and that's that's the issue that I have when you bring in a contractor, a private contractor, and, outsource, and I, that's what I do. I, I, I'm a private contractor as well and a consultant, but my portion of when I go into a city to consult or into a private business to consult is that I'm teaching them how to be sustained without me. I'm here to set you up. That's exactly what good consultants do. That's right, because you're supposed to And move it's on. also what good cities or governance teams do, because then they know, like, we just need two years with this person to show sure. us how to do this, mm -hmm. how to administrate this, how to do these reports, and how to really be effective. And then once we have that, mm -hmm. then we'll have our staff take over that. That's right, and succession planning and building 
and not just hire a contractor, get it done, up and leave and walk out. I mean, we watched that during the bankruptcy, how many people rolled into our finance department was just ridiculous. And that that's something else that is on the agenda as well as the comp and class study coming up for general employees. Do you want to talk about that? Okay. So, I mean, again, it's, oh my God, we're, it's, none of none of this none of what is coming before the council can be dealt with unless the people who are at the dais educate themselves on the issues and that's all the issues that they're going to be voting on i think that um we don't have that right now and i like there's so much more to talk about in this and other things but mm -hmm. you do have to start wrapping up looks like okay but I definitely think that we need to implore our, our council members to really do research around the things that they're voting on and really practice some measured, methodical voting instead of just agreeing to everything because, you know, so-and-so is the mayor and he thinks we, we need to do this and because the city manager gave us this information. Look, do your own research and figure out what practices are happening in other cities to deal with these issues. How? What are the best practices? You do the research, um, and then you bring it up. And don't be shut down. You get to talk about these issues. If you have, if you want information on an item, you ask for the information and demand the information. Don't just get told, oh, you know, we don't have that information because we didn't prepare a report for you tonight. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I will expect for you to bring me the report or to have it in my mailbox by tomorrow or right. the next day or something practical. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I think, what needs to happen. Um, we've spent uh, almost an hour talking about the issues, and there are definitely so many more issues to talk about. They do think that we have to start wrapping up. Yeah. Um, one last thing, though. There is a special... Um, a public hearing on creating a sorry I got to get back to it um, that we're gonna want to talk about there'll probably be a different post or a live stream okay but they are trying to create a special district and um, we and it's a tax it'll be oh, towards, another one yeah so like they did with the fire parcel tax yeah and this has been something that my worry you know with with Measure Z has been, if you can't get it done with all of the money we've already given you, why are we giving you more? And they want a, f um, a hearing on the formation of a community facilities district. Huh. And uh, they, they want to, um, submitting the question of the levy of a proposed special tax to qualified electors of the proposed community facilities district, authorizing the levy of special taxes, um, for landscaping, lighting, water quality improvements, graffiti, streets, street sweeping, parks, and trail maintenance, a reserve fund for capital replacement, which is really... So to pay for public works stuff. Yeah, and, and that's weird because the street sweeping was in, included in the Burtec contract, um, and, and the parks you know a lot of the landscaping was outsourced so this is something i think we're going to need to re hmm. re go over but that's why this is important like i said and and you know an hour long isn't even enough to we haven't touched half of the items on the agenda uh but at least this kind of gives you guys an idea of why it's so important so 
but it also will give us an idea once you guys listen to this let us know what your thoughts are and what do you want to know about what questions on the agenda do you have look through it we want to encourage everybody to look through it and it's okay if you don't understand it it's not easy to understand but if you have questions then let's talk about them and let's show up at the meetings and ask these questions and even if you can't show up at the meeting we we might be able to get people there to ask your questions right so write us on facebook curate add questions will be on instagram we're going to create a twitter and you know it's, let's talk san bernardino so we appreciate you guys on the first round it's pretty exciting and uh yeah thanks look forward to hearing you from to you from you whatever uh again bye bye <laughs>